Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 445. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. It's nice to be back. We had a week off, so it feels like we haven't been on for uh, two weeks. Laura, you've been away for even longer. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. I honestly forgot that we were taking Thanksgiving off. So when I realized I was going to be off for two episodes in a row, I was a little sad. Sure. Not gonna lie. No, I I was so excited to get on tonight and talk to you guys. Oh. And then like five minutes went by and I was like, well, over right. it. <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was pretty great. We um, basically our parents live on complete opposite sides of the Atlanta metro area. So Mark's parents are south. So we drove down there to do Thanksgiving breakfast with them, and then we drove all the way back up to where my parents are, way up north, and did Thanksgiving dinner with them. It was a lot of fun. When um, you said our parents, I, I thought for a moment that your parents had separated. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what happened? I missed this. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, referring to both sets of parents. Got it. Um, okay. But yeah, it was really good. Um Mark's mom sent some amazing Jamaican leftovers up for us to have with our Thanksgiving dinner with my parents. Ooh, nice. So it was, oh, it was so good. I actually had uh, Thanksgiving dinner with my downstairs neighbors. They invited me over because I wasn't going home. And they are the coolest fucking people. I'm also saying that in part because they are now subscribed to this podcast. So I have to say nice things. <laughs> for the first time in my life, I have neighbors who I genuinely like. Every other place I've had... In my 10 years of living out of my parents' home, I had neighbors who I did not like. And finally, I have cool-ass neighbors. It's like such a freaking relief. So I had Thanksgiving dinner with them, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And we got wine drunk, and Brooklyn came down, and good time was had by all. And Pam, finally, how how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was okay. Um, We always go to two different houses, because that's what happens when you're uh, a child of divorce. (laughs) It like never goes away. So it's like double the food, which is always really nice. But I just feel like if I had it my way, we would just make my grandparents stop cooking because they're just getting old, you know? Yeah. And and but they want to do everything themselves. So it's always like a battle in the kitchen to help them. It's like you cannot Aww. lift the 40 pound turkey, grandma. Let me just do this for you. It's going to be fine. Well, it's tradition, you know? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just, and I'm sure it's nice to see them cooking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just like every year they get a little bit older and you're like, okay, let's let's go a little bit earlier so we can help you not lose a finger in the kitchen. Right, right. <laughs> so um, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald came out while we were away. I want to hear what both of you have to say about it. <laughs> Try to be a little nice. <laughs> That's what I have to say. <laughs> that is your review. You, you didn't like it at all, huh? What was what was your problem? Okay, no, no, no. So there, I thought that it had good moments, right? There were certain things that happened in the movie that felt like these twinkles of like real story reaching out and hoping for J.K. Rowling to grab onto it and do something with it. Um, but it felt like, and, and I think Selena um, Wilkin over on Hypable alluded to the same thing. It just kind of felt like, they're so afraid to let go of the Potter franchise that they just kept sort of like shoehorning all of these Potter plot lines and characters into places where they didn't necessarily belong. Um, In some cases, uh, the timeline doesn't even match up. So for me, those moments were very frequent and they took me out of the movie a lot. Um, I also thought that 
a lot of characters were not super well developed. There were new characters that were introduced yeah. in this movie that like they could have been taken out of the movie and it would have made no difference to the story. Right. Except for more screen time for the characters that we care about. Yeah. So my hope, I'm choosing to remain optimistic because I really quite liked the first Fantastic Beasts. And I do think there's a story here. And I think that there is a franchise that can stand on its own. I'm just hoping for Warner Brothers to, and by extension, JK Rowling to sort of have be brave enough to let go of Harry Potter and start um, letting the story stand on its own two feet. Mm -hmm. What did you think, Pam? Um, I think, Laura, you hit a really big nail on the head for me, which is that it it's really sad that certain characters, it almost kind of felt like they needed to make them more interesting because they felt like they weren't interesting on their own when that was not necessarily the case. So I'm still undecided with regards to how I fully feel about everything. And I think as a fan who, or like as many of us are, like, you know, we don't have anything, there's no source material to reference back to kind of understand why the movie plays out the way that it does. So I think it's a little bit hard to stomach some of these big curveballs that they threw our way. Um, But there were a lot of parts that I really did enjoy. Lita Lestrange was great. I think Jude Mm -hmm. Law is a really, really good Dumbledore. He has like that knowing twinkle in his eye that I feel like is always present in the series itself. So that was really great. And I actually like maybe unpopular opinion, didn't hate Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. So (laughs) I don't know. I agree with you. I mean, he's a dumpster fire of a human being, but his performance was pretty solid. Yeah, there was only one part that I felt like they they had to throw in like a oh let's take you out of the moment and remind you that this is Johnny Depp. Mm. <laughs> there was like one line towards the end there that I was like kind of taken out of um, the movie right. for a bit, but but like for the most part he was really good. I feel like um, it's kind of nice to see him go back to being like two method, like mm-hmm. he has been with like the Tim Burton stuff or even the Jack Sparrow stuff, and just kind of show off the acting chops that we know he has so yeah so the film hasn't been doing that great in america and i think there's going to be some big changes for the next one because first of all jk rowling already turned in the script but she's clearly in over her head on this like she's trying to write for a book and it's just so freaking busy that it's, it's just so confusing that was my chief complaint about it and plus with it not doing as well as was expected as well as was expected in the United States. I think they're going to have to change some things marketing-wise. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do because they've got a problem. They've got a problem critically and just a lot of fans were very confused by it too. So, I noticed that they've been tweeting out that fan review, the Ray fan review Oh um, no. GIF on Twitter that's just all like positive Twitter reactions. Oh no. You know it's bad when they have to tweet out yeah. fan reviews. They can't rely on any critics. <laughs> I, yeah, it's really sad. I mean, like at the same time, I, I kind of put little weight behind critic reviews. It's hard though. I feel like you used to be able to say that more because now all the young critics that are reviewing these movies are kids that grew up with the series. So it's not the same as when we were growing up and like stuffy Bob from the Chronicle is like, I hate this movie. It's stupid. I don't understand. You know what I mean? Right. So. But yeah, I don't I mean, look, all the Harry Potter movies did did well. Even the last Fantastic Beast movie did well on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. But this one, it just really is a confusing plot line. There's too many characters. I don't know what the hell happened. Nobody uh, people. WB is apparently like afraid to say to JK Rowling, hey, um, can you put fewer characters in this film or can you write a slightly more cohesive story they rightfully probably gave her free reign over whatever the hell she wants to do but they need to rein her in a little bit now i also saw wreck it ralph 2 over the weekend i saw it with pat it was it was good i wasn't expecting it to be so critical of the current state of the internet there's this whole like part of the movie about getting clicks to make money and i'm like oh my god too real too close to home <laughs> i yeah, go to the right. movies to relax <laughs> like disney doesn't want clicks 
that's what happens in the movie. Ralph needs clicks to make money. So he's trying to get clicks and views mm. on his videos. Um, he turns into kind of like a YouTuber to be able to uh, make some money so he can buy something he needs for the arcade. But it was a very good movie. They did a really good job with it. You know, with sequels sometimes, kind of like we learned with Crimes of Grindelwald, it can really go off the rails. But uh, Disney did it again with Wreck-It Ralph 2. And speaking of movies, since all three of us dabbled in the world of Twilight, I just wanted to mention that Twilight has now turned 10 years old. The first movie, anyway. It's now 10 years old. Um, The fandom really blew up with the movie series. It was popular before the movie started, but that's when it just went out of control. Pat and I watched Twilight (laughs) to to celebrate. Oh my God, the acting is so bad in that movie. Like It is unreal how terrible Rob Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are. But I still kind of like the movie. And I like a couple of those Twilight movies. And I absolutely adored the fandom. And it still means a lot to me. I miss that fandom. But can you two believe it's been 10 years? No, I can't. Um, it makes me feel really old. Um, I will say what I like about the fandom is I feel like, m- for the most part, it's very self-aware. Like, everyone mm-hmm. kind of knows Twilight is bad. <laughs> but yeah. it's like, you still like it because you like it, and that's fine, you know? Um, and I kind of felt like that was sort of where the first movie went as well. Like, it seemed, I forget who the director was, Catherine... Hardwick. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like she was well aware of how stupid the story was, but she just went with it. So, like, yeah, the acting was terrible, but I don't know. The tone of it was kind of funny. I thought it was a funny movie. I don't know if that was always intentional. Nah, I doubt it. But it's, you know, it's enjoyable to get drunk and watch and make fun of. Happy birthday, Twilight. (laughs) Right. That's what we did. We got drunk and we just kicked back and I haven't watched it in so long, so I forgot like a lot of what happens in the movie. It was fun. So we have lots to get to today, but first, our first sponsor of the week is Policy Genius. We all need insurance for our home, our pets, our health, our cars, and even our life. Life insurance isn't the most enjoyable thing to talk about. Most people don't like thinking about dying, but having life insurance is a really good feeling. Because it's nice to know that if anything were to happen to you, your family won't have to start a GoFundMe to stay afloat. Your family will be in good hands should they need to use a life insurance policy. Policy Genius is the quick way to easily compare quotes from the top insurers to find the best policy for you. It's such a simple website. I keep visiting Policy Genius to look at health insurance policies because uh, the 2019 enrollment period is closing quickly, unfortunately. Thanks, Republicans. It asks you a couple of questions about what you're trying to insure. And just like that, you're given a bunch of policy options from all the insurers you've heard of. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. If you care about it, they can cover it. Life insurance is the one that they've been really encouraging people to look into recently since a lot of people don't consider it. It's just like awkward to think about. (laughs) and You don't want to go and buy against your life. But You should do it to protect your loved ones. So if you've been avoiding getting life insurance because it's difficult or confusing, give Policy Genius a try. Just go to policygenius.com, get your quotes, and apply in minutes. You can do the whole thing on your phone right now. So give it a try right now. Policy Genius is the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Your wonderful ad read just reminded me, isn't open enrollment open until December 15th? Yeah, it's freaking short. Okay, so guys, you just have a couple of weeks left, but there's still time. And we've just provided you with a great tool to do it. So do it. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And uh, we do have a follow up on the midterms. So as you know, there were still a few races that were outstanding as of the last time we recorded the show. Um, In the Arizona Senate race, Kirsten Sinema, who was the Democrat, officially won. This was a big win for Democrats. Uh, Martha McSally, the Republican, actually conceded gracefully, which is not super common on her side of the aisle these days. So good job, Martha. Um, (laughs) In the Florida Senate race, incumbent Senator Bill Nelson, who's a Democrat, still hasn't given up fighting to have every vote counted, but it's really not looking good for him. As a matter of fact, 
On Wednesday, Mitch McConnell included Nelson's opponent, Rick Scott, the former governor, in his welcome new Republican senators photo op. So I think we may be saying goodbye to Bill Nelson. Mm -hmm. Um, And then here in Georgia, Stacey Abrams officially conceded on Friday, though she said that Brian Kemp's voter suppression tactics were shameful and appalling. We all agree that Brian Kemp, in terms of numbers, won this election, but it's not a good win. And his term as Secretary of State is going to be completely tainted and sort of dogged by these accusations that have been levied against him during this campaign. And he deserves it. He deserves every last bit of it. Um, And there have already been a couple of lawsuits, federal ones, opened up against the Secretary of State's office and the state of Georgia. So we'll just keep an eye on those and let everybody know what's happening. But we also have something we want to make sure to promote. Um, Here in Georgia, we do have a runoff election happening on December 4th for the Secretary of State and the Public Service Commission for District 3. For Secretary of State, it's Democrat John Barrow against Republican Brad Raffensperger. This is an opportunity to make a really substantial impact on future elections in the state of Georgia, because if we can get someone in that office who can tear down the Kemp legacy of voter suppression, we might be able to get our way a little bit easier in the future. So if you haven't, right now is early voting for the next week in Georgia, and the actual election is on December 4th. So please don't miss out. If you voted, if you didn't vote uh, back in November, but you were eligible to vote as of that time, you can vote in this runoff. So please, please, please do it. I'm sorry about Stacey Abrams, Laura. Me too. You know, I was hopeful. It it looked promising. But I think that just the sheer amount of voter suppression tactics that were taken against her, she was kind of fighting an uphill battle. But I think it's very impressive that she came as close as she did, even though yeah. they were actively trying to stop her. Yeah. And I yeah. don't think she's I, I think she'll be back. For I don't president? think she's going away. I don't know if she would be a 2020 contender, but I could definitely see her in 2024, 2028. Yeah. I can see why she wants to get the governorship, you know, under her feet first. Yeah. She couldn't go up against Trump. Trump said she wasn't qualified. Oh, my God. Can we not? I don't. I, don't, I hate that man so much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so on to some news now. Yeah, so before we dive into a few stories, we wanted to take a moment to address what's happening at our southern border with Mexico. On Sunday, around 400 migrants from the famous caravan of asylum seekers that Fox News has been warning all of us about attempted to cross the border into the U.S. um, in order to claim asylum. President Trump shut down border entries in the Tijuana area, which prevented the migrants from entering the country legally. We would like to take this moment to address the fact that applying for asylum at an official port of entry is 100% legal. When they were unable to get through, it was reported that, quote, one or more people began throwing rocks at Border Patrol officials. Others reportedly worked to tear the fences with tools or even their bare hands. Um, U.S. Border Patrol agents then responded with tear gas and firing rubber bullets into the crowd, many of whom are children. So it goes without saying how we feel about this here at this show, but we felt it deserved an update here at the top of the news. And we wanted everyone at home to know we're paying attention to what's happening and that we hope you are too, because this is a gross misuse of power, resources, and a completely inhumane approach towards people who are so clearly desperate to escape dire circumstances that they would willingly try to cut through a fence while they're being sprayed with tear gas and rubber bullets just to get into this country. Um, Definitely recommend reaching out to your representatives. You can find contact information for them over at senate.gov and house.gov. And this is also a great story to spread on your social networks because as much as this relates to politics, there is a human interest story here which should appeal to any compassionate human regardless of political affiliation. And rest assured, we're going to keep talking about this in the weeks ahead. So if you don't share it, we will. You would think it's like a human rights issue, but I'm not convinced that Trump supporters necessarily care. Well, the <laughs> the operative word there was compassionate. 
Right. <laughs> they can't show that if it's something that Trump, if he wants these people tear gas, then they're cool with it. Well, they're not compassionate. Right. I'm not relying on them to help us fix this because they won't. Mm-hmm. Can I say something stupid? When I first heard about the caravan, which was what, a month or two ago, I thought it was like just one minivan of people. Oh my God. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, what's the big deal? It's just a minivan. <laughs> Andrew, like your thought process of being like, there's a minivan coming to the border and yeah. everyone's freaking the fuck out. Do they have enough gas to make it? Yeah, I don't know. Because caravan, why do we call it a caravan? Why can't we just call it a mass group of people? Well, anyway, because it is a caravan. I, honestly, I mean, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. Oh, uh, Trump, Trump isn't either. When he heard caravan, he probably thought it was an actual vehicle. <laughs> Oh, he probably thought it was like a band of vehicles. Yeah. Just a, a bunch of like RVs just like heading up. We're coming to America. Here we come. Oh 60 God. miles an hour. Keeping the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it it is a very sad story. And there's lots of vid- videos and photos. Speaking of sharing on social media, it could be effective because of all the media coverage it's been getting. This is super hard to watch. And my great-grandparents, uh, they actually live about less than 20 minutes from the San Isidro border. And so I grew up going to all of this, all these places that are on the news now. And it's just, it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. I'm not alone, by the way. Chang Ning, who's listening live, says she also thought it was a van coming up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This week's episode sponsored by Toyota. <laughs> All right, on to some other news now. Mm, well, you know who else is under fire? Surprise, surprise, Facebook. Uh, this is actually kind of interesting, but also super intense. Uh, we all know that there's been a lot of anti-Facebook sentiment over the course of the last few months, especially in the wake of the Cambridge Analytica scandal and other privacy fiascos. And in order to combat this, According to new emails obtained by the New York Times, Facebook has actually hired a public relations firm to pin the blame for all of the anti-Facebook sentiment on George Soros, who is, of course, a prominent millionaire who's known for donating a lot of money to Democrats. Um, The behavior firm is called Definers Public Affairs. And they basically distributed to reporters a research report that accused Soros of quietly backing anti-Facebook groups and then urged reporters to dig into the alleged financial connections between those groups and the uh, Soros himself. Uh, so this is kind of a really crazy story. And it gets even more intense because Definers Public Affairs is actually a Republican-linked firm, and they specialize in opposition's research and in bringing tactics most commonly associated with political campaigns, such as negative ads, um, forward an effort to help, you know, make their business clients look a lot better. So uh, this is actually pretty intense. And of course, Zuckerberg and also Sheryl Sandberg say they have no idea who within the company directed this attack. Uh, but then later on, in order to kind of cover things up, Facebook's head of commissions published a blog post admitting that he was actually the one that hired them to do this. And then oh, Sheryl Sandberg said that, oh, yeah, this this did actually, quote, cross my desk. Exactly. So she knew it. This is out fucking rageous that they would hire this PR firm to go and blame George Soros. I mean, this is this is nuts. This is something that like the Trump campaign would start doing. This is what Fox News would start doing. Exactly. Oh my god. Yeah, and I mean Soros, he's kind of a favorite target for ultra conservatives. Um, He's a Hungarian-born Jew who survived the Holocaust, came to America, made a fortune, and is very liberal and very pro-democracy, and thus, as Pam was saying, puts a lot of money into more liberal causes. Um, And he's constantly being accused of bankrolling all of these left-wing efforts. Um, Like last month, the Daily Caller accused Soros of funding the migrant caravan. (laughs) 
And also, fun fact, um, we on this show have been accused of being funded by George Soros. Um, yeah, he's bankrolling our Patreon. Right. I was going to say, where's that money? I was going to say, I think, I think I've not been hearing about this because I would expect to make a lot more money. <laughs> Another common one you hear is how he pays protesters. You know, I have been going to protests since I was 14, and I have not yet received a paycheck. Mm. Yeah, could you imagine how many more people would actually go to those things if they're being paid to do it? (laughs) No, maybe they're just protesting because they care about these issues and want to make sure their voices are heard. That's all. And then go get a good brunch afterwards. (laughs) With um, With their protesting pay. This is one of Facebook's worst offenses i think to send people off the trail to go point the finger at soros to hire somebody to help them do that i just think this is absolutely terrible and i have never wanted to get rid of my facebook more than i have at this point because it's just one thing after another with them they're doing very bad things they're lying i just i'm so beyond over them and yet i can't quit facebook i'm stuck we're all stuck it very much feels like a last last ditch effort which is so funny because you know obviously we all know people who've quit facebook and there's been public outcry but i don't think their numbers have plummeted so far as to merit something like this like this really just feels like a desperate attempt yeah no, I mean, it, it's hard to quit Facebook. It is a little addictive. And I know for us, we partially use it for work as well. We have groups where we interact with podcast listeners. And I update the Facebook pages for Hypable and the podcast as well. Like, I just, I, I can't quit it. I guess what I could do is create another profile and give myself admin access on those. But, and then add no friends, like no pages, I could just have like this shell of a Facebook account just to do certain things. But then again, I like seeing what people are up to. I like checking in on people. So ultimately, am I going to quit? No. But I do a, um annual social media break. It's at least a week long. This will be my third year doing it where I just delete Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat, all those uh, between Christmas and New Year's. I'm going to try really hard this year to just not re-download Facebook. <laughs> At least not on the phone. I'll keep it on the I'll use it on the desktop computer to do work stuff. But I'll I'll delete the uh app maybe permanently. Yeah. I most weekends I try to go social media free, so usually on like Friday evening at some point I'll delete all of my social apps off my phone. And then sometimes on Monday I like forget to put them back until halfway through the day. So it really goes to show, once you're away from it for a while, you see how little value it actually adds to your life. Right. I can't imagine deleting and re-downloading it every week, though. That sounds like, not just Facebook, but multiple apps every week. That sounds like a lot. I mean, it's just Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm. I don't really use any other social platforms. I don't understand Snapchat. I think that came too late for me. Somehow I missed the Snapchat wave. Mm-hmm. I mentioned my downstairs neighbors earlier, who are now listen- listeners of the show. They don't have Facebooks. When I when I befriended them, I was like, "Oh, you on Facebook?" Like, no. I'm like, what? Who was on Facebook? Uh, mid thirties. Okay. Yeah, but they are on Instagram. Isn't that interesting? Instagram's the new frontier. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm just so disgusted by Facebook and any remaining respect I guess I had for them is now gone. Agreed. I mean, I didn't have much left with them or for them for quite some time. But literally, as I've said before, the only reason I continue on this is because I have so many international friends with whom that is how I keep touch, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. We're all trapped. Hmm. Well, if you don't want to be trapped, I think we might have just the thing for you. Now that turkey hangover has passed, we're all gearing up for the holidays. And if you're like me, that means company parties and time with my family. 
Also, if you're like me, you hate standing around pretending to like all of those people while in uncomfortable shoes. Well, if you want to be stylish and comfortable at the same time, I cannot recommend Rothy's enough. Rothy's is the everyday flat for life on the go. It's stylish and classic and comes in four styles, the flat, the point, the loafer, and the sneaker for women and girls. The color and pattern selection is amazing, and they're constantly updating colors and patterns because they sell out so quick. I love my point flats in this really rich plum color with baby blue racing stripes on the sides. These can be dressed up or down, so I've definitely worn them with jeans for a casual night out or with slacks for a job interview. And it'll blow your mind that they're made from recycled plastic water bottles because they are the softest shoe you'll put on your feet. You can feel good about these because Rothy's has already recycled almost 20 million plastic bottles by making these shoes. And for an added bonus, these are machine washable because let's face it, feet sweat. I love my Rothy's and I know you will too. Right now, Rothy's has an amazing deal for our listeners. Use code M-I-L-L to get free shipping with no minimum purchase. You'll also get free returns and exchanges on your shoes, but trust me, you won't want to return them. Go to rothys.com, that's R-O-T-H-Y-S.com, and enter code M-I-L-L to get your new favorite flats and free shipping. It's a no-brainer. These shoes are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable. Go get yourself a pair today. rothys.com, promo code M-I-L-L. Get this deal while it lasts. I'm going to Pat's holiday party in a couple weeks. I think I need some Rothys. You're little ad intro really sold me on them for the for that party <laughs> those loafers look super cozy yeah, yeah yeah do it on to some other news now let's talk about some netflix drama they've been under fire by satan himself <laughs> the satanic temple attempted to sue netflix over its new series the chilling adventures of sabrina have either of you watched this yeah i've watched a couple episodes i've watched the whole first season oh wow okay I have not watched it because it looks like a CW drama to me, and I'm just not into that. But anyway, um, the Satanic Temple attempted to sue Netflix for using the temple's satanic images and statues without their consent. Um, So we all know the story. It follows Sabrina as she attends the Academy of the Unseen Arts, a school that teaches the way of the Dark Lord. It's based off the same comic book series that spawned the popular 90s show, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But that one was like pleasant and happy and bright. This Sabrina on Netflix is dark. And that's why everybody was so excited about it. Um, So the Satanic Temple tried to sue Netflix for copyright, uh, saying the show uses the exact likeness of the dark lore that they created specifically for their temple by their own internal graphic designer a few years ago. The Satanic Temple's co-founder, Lucene Graves, says they are all deeply troubled by the appropriation of their religious art. (laughs) So I say tried to sue because late last week, Netflix and the Satanic Temple, (laughs) such a funny thing to say, the Satanic Temple and Netflix, um, they settled. The terms of the settlement are still unclear, but we do know that Netflix will now acknowledge the Satanic Temple in the credits of every episode. (laughs) Uh, we don't know if any money was exchanged. The Satanic Temple was asking for $50 million, um, And we don't know if Netflix will include the design that they plagiarized or not in future se- seasons. I would think they just want to get away from this, so they might come up with their own design. But yeah, so it looks like the designers of Netflix stole this design uh, from the Satanic Temple I think this is like fantastic news for the Satanic Temple because now they're getting this free promo at the end of every Sabrina episode. Exactly. That's why they did this. The Satanic Church can't be doing too great right now. No. You know, they probably need that money. You know, I've I don't think I've ever heard of any other major religion trying to sue over showing their uh, religious symbols in episodes. And I think that's because those religions have money. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know what? We got to let's let's get let's give the Satanists a, a chance. <laughs> but give Satanism a chance. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I didn't realize you could copyright 
like God, for example. Right. <laughs> you know, like, do you think the sound of music got slapped with a copyright infringement for all the cathedral scenes? Well, so if you look at the statue, it is a very unique design. Like, there's a lot going on within this creature. It's like a goat with a beard mm. and snakes and wings and big horns and, like, all this other shit. I guess so, I just thought it was, like, you know how, like, the Bible is not, uh, like, you can use it and not have to pay royalties? It's, yeah. like, free, uh, what do they call it? Free. Eminent domain. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just would assume any religious text, including satanic temple texts, would be the same. I mean, honestly, like, the satanic temple, like, they don't stand for the worst things. They, quote, reject tyrannical authority and, quote, encourage benevolence and empathy among all people. What's wrong with that? I'm, I'm joining these guys. <laughs> Andrew the Satanist. Sabrina's making uh, Satanism cool again. So I'm on board. Is this show genuinely good, though? It's not like a teeny bop drama. Um, I enjoyed the couple of episodes I've seen. I definitely plan on finishing it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's definitely like not your childhood, Sabrina, the teenage witch. Uh, although that was definitely, I think, more influenced by Archie Comics, which you were referencing. Uh, mm-hmm. This is based off of a new graphic novel series. So the graphic novel that this is in reference to is darker anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty good watch. Okay. Well, good on you, Satanic Temple, for uh, getting that free promo. In lots of Netflix content now. I mean, millions of people watch this show, and you have to think a lot of them might be looking at this series and being like, oh, I kind of want to be a, be in a cult like this. Next headline is going to be, let's all boycott Sabrina because it's teaching our children to be Satan worshippers. Yeah. Why the hell has that not happened yet, actually? Know, right? Come to think of it. <laughs> I thought it was kind of ballsy of Netflix to be like, okay, we'll give credit to the Satanic Temple. Right. <laughs> it's like, we're all the protesters that were like anti-13 reasons why, isn't this similar terrain right well maybe to answer your question laura maybe it just was very clear that they wouldn't have won this lawsuit Mm, perhaps but also this just seems so netflix to like just like help out the temple (laughs) who cares it's not like they're competing against each other or anything (laughs) and speaking of helping each other out go to satanism.com and enter code (laughs) m-i-l-l to get your two-week free trial (laughs) (laughs) i'm signing up i hope you're serious about that (laughs) on to less fun news um president trump is once again undermining confidence in our democratic elections this time by saying that people in florida wore disguises in order to vote illegally needless to say that claim is totally baseless there is zero evidence absolutely none to suggest that illegal votes were cast at all much less that hordes of people were dressing up as citizens in order to vote multiple times. Um, Andrew, I really like your Trump voice. I was wondering if you could read this first quote. The Republicans don't win, and that's because of potentially illegal votes. When people get in line that have absolutely no right to vote, and they go around in circles to vote multiple times, sometimes they go to their car, put on a different hat, put on a different shirt, come in and vote again. Nobody takes anything. It's really a disgrace what's going on. (laughs) It's amazing. It's just, it's inspired by Stephen Colbert. No, it's it's good. But also, it's just amazing to me that anybody would be like, yes, I'm going to go to my car and put on a hat. Come back and vote. I literally did this to enter a Bruce Springsteen ticket lottery. I, I went, got a number, went back to the car, literally changed, new hat, new shirt, just like Trump was saying, went back, and I fooled him. So I think Trump's <laughs> on to something here. Yeah, clearly. No, but it, it, I mean, that story is true, but in all seriousness, like, this is absolutely outrageous. Remember, he put together his own voter fraud investigation team. They came back with nothing because his claims were bullshit. And... We know what he's doing. He's just making up these excuses for, in the case of the midterms, potentially losing the midterms. And during uh, 2020, he he was setting this all up in the 2016 election, too. 
Yeah. And I think this really begs the question, you know, if he loses in 2020, is he going to accept the results of that election? I don't think so. So I was thinking about this because Bill Maher has been arguing that he will not leave if he loses the election. I think he will leave because he is surrounded by people who actually do exhibit signs of intelligence and, you know, respect law and respect elections. Pence and even Huckabee Sanders and all these other people in his cabinet, they're not all going to stick around too. They'd have to be fucking bonkers. In terms of physical movement from (laughs) from the West Wing, I agree with you. But I don't think that he is going to be predisposed to accept the outcome of an election that he does not win. And I think he's going to use it to rile up his base into thinking that the election was stolen from them. And then they're going to get violent. I agree with that. I agree. Because, yeah, we have learned over these past few years that he cannot accept a failure, a mistake. He's always perfect and right. Nothing's ever his fault. So yeah, he won't lose, or he he won't admit defeat. He he will, he will from November whatever twenty twenty to the day he dies, say that there are millions of Mexicans coming over the border and illegally voting thirteen times each. Dead people too. Yeah. <laughs> people trying on different costumes and yeah. such. We Which should is all really try pathetic. to um try to vote in our halloween costumes next time and it can't be hammered home enough there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud period well i thought this would be a good opportunity for us to school president trump with the number voter suppression edition i don't like school laura unless it's trump university (laughs) very fine institution how much did you have to settle on that one 25 million $25 billion. (laughs) It was fantastic. Biggest settlement ever. (laughs) And now I put the Satanic Temple in the credits of uh, every episode of The Apprentice. It would be funny if they credited the Satanic Temple in all of his like academic (laughs) materials. I don't know if they actually gave people books. I can't imagine much reading happened at Trump University. Let's put the Satanic Temple on our thank you page. Oh man, give First me drunk person and we'll in talk the list. about it. All right. Anyway. So <laughs> jumping jumping into the number. Um, for those of you playing at home, this is the game where we provide some information surrounding a specific um statistic percentage number, and everyone has to use those context clues to try and guess what the number is. So are you guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our first one. The Brennan Center's seminal report on voter fraud, The Truth About Voter Fraud, found that most reported incidents of voter fraud are actually traceable to other sources, such as clerical errors or bad data matching practices. The report studied 12 years worth of elections and found that voter fraud incident rates were between blank and blank percent. Two and four percent. I'm going to go eight and ten. The answer... 0.0003% and 0.0025%. No wonder Trump hasn't cited this data. Is that even like a full human being? I know. I (laughs) I just didn't give enough credit to to humanity, I guess. (laughs) It's funny because it it reminds me of like when you hear those statistics about like the average family has two and a half children. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where's the half? (laughs) All right. Next one. Likewise, if you don't trust the Brennan Center, a specialized United States Department of Justice unit formed with the goal of finding instances of federal election fraud examined the 2002 and 2004 federal elections and were able to prove that blank of ballots were fraudulent. Hmm. What percentage of ballots were fraudulent? 0.02. I'm going to go 1%. The answer is 0.0000013%. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's barely anything. That's like somebody forgot to bubble something in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
All right. The next one, um, a comprehensive 2014 study published by the Washington Post found blank credible instances of impersonation fraud between the years of 2000 and 2014 out of more than 1 billion ballots cast. So how many credible instances? Seven. Zero. The answer is 31. And they were all sent in by Donald Trump (laughs) after watching out his window on Fifth Avenue. uh, Could you imagine Donald Trump in different disguises? All right. SNL should do a skit on on that on oh, voter fraud. Yeah, they Donald should. Trump Funny. going and voting for himself six times or something. <laughs> yeah. Voting for Donald J. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so while voter fraud clearly isn't a problem, voter suppression is. After the U.S. witnessed record voter turnout in the 2008 elections, blank states promptly introduced bills that reduced early or absentee voting periods, and blank states. Reduce the number of ways voters could register. Hmm. So how many states introduced bills that reduced earlier absentee voting? And how many states reduced the number of ways that voters could register? I'm going to say 14 and 21. Uh, I'm going to say 10 and 5. All right, Andrew, you were right about the first one. It's 10 that introduced bills to reduce earlier absentee voting, and then 13 states reduced the number of ways voters could register. To give you a bit of an example, Ohio eliminated the period that allowed voters to register and vote all on the same day. Texas reduced the number of places where voters could register. Florida reduced their early voting period from 14 days to eight days. And Georgia my homeland, reduced absentee voting periods from 45 days to 21 days. Wow. Yeah. So this has been in the works for quite some time. Yeah. All right, moving on. Why is limiting early voting and absentee voting considered systemic suppression? In part, because African-American voters are much more likely to take advantage of early voting. In Florida and Georgia, the two states from our earlier example, African-Americans rely disproportionately on early and absentee voting and early to vote. So in Florida in 2008, what percentage of African-Americans vote early? Huh. I'll say 50%. I'm going to say 37%. Okay, it's 54%. Yes. All right, and same question. In Georgia in 2008, what percentage of African Americans voted at early voting sites? 51%. 47. 35%. Okay, interesting. So similarly, after the 2008 elections, eight states also passed voter ID laws, Alabama, Kansas, Mississippi, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Wisconsin. Now, what's the problem with that? Minority citizens don't always have the means to get a photo ID. For instance, while the nationwide average of Americans who don't have a photo ID is 10% among African Americans, it's blank. So voter ID laws impact African Americans disproportionately. 32. 22. The answer is 25. Oh, my God. I'm so good at this. (laughs) You're too smart. Stop. (laughs) Right. So driving that home, I mean, the nationwide average for people who don't have voter IDs is significantly lower than the average for African-Americans. Yeah. Hmm. And finally... For a more specific example, in South Carolina, 81,938 minority citizens lack government-issued ID, making minority voters there how many times more likely to lack a photo ID than white voters? Four times. Twice is more likely. 20 times more likely. Mm. That's bonkers. Yeah. And if anyone would like sources for this, you can go to the BrennanCenter.org website. Also, the ACLU will be happy to provide those links in our show notes. Okay. Well, for something that'll give you a little bit of a pick-me-up, we do have a quick word from one of our sponsors, BioClarity. I've always had trouble finding skincare routines that were effective enough to get rid of blackheads, but gentle enough not to leave my face super agitated. Uh, BioClarity is a clean green skincare line that helps me get naturally glowing skin that's 100% vegan and cruelty-free. 
What I love about BioClarity is if I fall off the wagon and forget to use it for a couple of days, which usually happens during the holidays, once I get back on my routine, the results come pretty quickly. That's because BioClarity contains Floralux, which is made from chlorophyll. Now, I know it doesn't shock anyone at home that I like consuming green things that relax me, but BioClarity is different because it relaxes my skin by depositing so many botanical ingredients and leaving it soft and glowing. The clear skin routine is for combination oily or breakout skin, or prone skin, excuse me, and it is the perfect pick-me-up for your skin. It's just three easy steps cleanse, treat, and restore. This routine contains hydrating plant extracts like chamomile, green tea, cucumber, licorice root, oat kernel, plus Floralux. This routine is super hydrating and gentle and gets results with garden lush ingredients in as little as two weeks. BioClarity is delivered straight to you and is an easy-to-use three-step skincare routine that's 100% vegan plus gluten plus cruelty-free. Get started with healthier habits with your skincare. Just go to bioclarity.com. Our listeners will get their first month for 50% off a routine, plus shipping is free. And it comes with a 100% risk-free money back guarantee, but you need to enter our code MIL. That's bioclarity.com and enter our code MIL. All right, it's time now for... Surprise! Surprise, Surprise, bitch! Let's try Kaylee in Wisconsin. Oh, does she know Patrick? I don't know. We're going to find out. Hello? Kaylee, surprise, bitch. It's Millennial. Oh, my God. Hi. (laughs) I heard that Wisconsin in you. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. My boyfriend's looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) What's up? What are you up I to? I saw unknown and I was like, oh my god, baby. That's us. Aww. What 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 are you up to tonight? Oh. Uh I was just eating dinner. Uh cheese curds and cheese. <laughs> no, burger. <laughs> With Wisconsin cheese. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Do you want to have me over for dinner? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> do you like Culver's as much as I do? Oh my god, it's amazing. Culver's is the Wisconsin Wendy's. It tastes just like Wendy's, to be honest with you, but they also have cheese curds no. there. <laughs> no. Okay, Pat. It's like way better. <laughs> <laughs> How was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty good. We went to Minnesota. That's where my boyfriend's from. Where in Wisconsin are you guys? So we're in Waukesha. It's like a half hour west of Milwaukee. Okay. Did you uh did your yeah. Thanksgiving go well? Was there any like family drama or politics come up (laughs) no drama but like no no politics but so my boyfriend's sister brought her boyfriend home to meet the family and um i don't know he (laughs) he seemed nice enough but like at dinner we had dinner like on saturday with like just us and he was like very lovey-dovey and like stroking her leg the entire time and i just felt super uncomfortable the whole time yeah for 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 meeting the family for the first time that seems inappropriate yeah are they like still in that early lovey-dovey stage yeah yeah they are they're they've been together for like six months like i kind of get it but i was also kind of like "Eh, i don't know what to think about this yeah Pat invited me to his family Thanksgiving and I it's just it was the whole extended family and I'm like not yet that's too much pressure. <laughs> that's also a lot of mental effort. Exactly. I had to put up a lot of mental effort just to meet his nuclear family. You know, his mom, dad and brother. I have to I have to act like uh, I'm a pleasant human being. I had to <laughs> do it all afternoon. It was so much and if I went home for Thanksgiving with him, I would have had to do it for an entire weekend. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, no, I, I, I'm trying to relax over Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah, I was probably nervous, like seeing his family for a good three years into our relationship, just because we only visit like a few times a year. So and yeah. I'm like one of those people that are nervous about things like that. And now he's shaking his head at me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Fantastic Beasts? Yes, I finally saw it uh, yesterday. What do you think? 
uh, <laughs> I, I, it was, my mind was blown. Okay. So you liked it. <laughs> yeah. I, I liked it. Yeah. Okay. I am excited for the next one. Yeah. There's a lot to be excited about for movie number three. Hopefully she answers all the questions that we have. Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you believe Grindelwald in terms of what he told Credence or is Grindelwald lying? (sighs) I could see him lying. I, I, yeah, I think he's lying. That must be a Wisconsin thing because Pat also thinks he's lying. He's convinced he's lying to the point we have been arguing about it very seriously. Because I, I <laughs> really? think he's telling the truth. I believe Credence is you know who. But Yeah, Mark and I hmm. kind of had a little debate about this as well. Yeah. And I'm definitely on your side, Andrew. Oh, good. Which disappoints See, me. <laughs> It disappoints you. Not to be on your side, but the oh. the implication of me thinking that it's true. Yeah, right. Did anyone here do any serious Black Friday, Cyber Monday shopping? I don't think I bought anything. Yeah, I ended up going to Ulta on Black Friday, not because of anything Black Friday specific, because I needed to replace my perfume. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go. And it turned out they were giving out this special gift with my brand of perfume. And so I like got it and all the employers were like, ooh, you get a free gift. And they're like hyping me up for this fucking present they were going to give me. Get to the register. They give me a robe. <laughs> oh, that's kind of nice, a robe. <laughs> Why? Just to re-gift it, Laura. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I've literally done this every time Ulta has given me like china plates <laughs> and oh my God. tote bags oh this is definitely to Ulta, gonna be somebody's christmas present <laughs> yeah yeah and, and tell them it's like a 500 hundred dollar bathrobe mm-hmm. it's definitely be not. like oh it's so soft and luxurious i just i think you work so hard i thought this was the perfect way to tell you you should relax because you're worth it <laughs> you're worth it hashtag <laughs> self-care yeah <laughs> just gotta sell it I only got one thing, and it was damn sensors for my smart thermostat. And I was so excited about it because these sensors hadn't been on sale before. They can give me the temperature in different rooms, so like the thermostat can get smarter about how to heat or cool the place. It's very exciting stuff. Which one do you have? Echo B. Okay. I have a Nest. Okay. Do you like it? Yeah, I really like it. Actually, I got a Nest doorbell recently, and that's pretty cool, but seriously creepy as well. I would totally get one of those if I was like in a standalone standalone home. Are you in an apartment or a house house? A house. We just bought it like six months ago. Oh, congrats. Thanks. How's homeowner yeah, life going for you? Pretty awesome. That's awesome. Pretty good. Um, so the market's super crazy here. And it was the first house we put an offer in on or fourth house we put an offer in on. And um, the only reason we got it pretty much is that there were smokers that lived here and they smoked inside the house. So we spent a good two months just like priming all the walls with kills and like repainting everything. Wow. I never thought about that. Like smokers in a house could bring bring down the value, but that that makes sense. Yeah. So I think, I think we got a good deal. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs) Well, good for you. Congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. It is like, it does seem like a very, uh, the thing to do these days. Like once you buy a place, you get a smart thermostat. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) yeah, I I was kind of into all the smart stuff. (laughs) Oh yeah. You're my kind of girl. (laughs) Wisconsin baby. Well, we'll let you go, but thanks so much for your support, Kaylee. Yeah. Thanks for calling me this is awesome absolutely tell your boyfriend you're not crazy if uh (laughs) you ever need some milk in wisconsin i know a guy with a farm all right cool he can give you that raw unprocessed milk the illegal milk if you if you want (laughs) if you want the good stuff all right all right i'll keep that in mind okay (laughs) all right have a good night (laughs) thanks you too guys bye bye she didn't sound interested in the unprocessed milk. <laughs> I can't imagine why. All right. Well, in After Dark today, 
we're going to talk about what the hell Laura has been up to and what the hell Laura and Pam were up to. I woke up to tweets one morning where they were like worshiping each other. And I was like, what the fuck happened last <laughs> night? So we're going to find out what the fuck happened <laughs> that night. <laughs> and we'll talk more about Laura's trip to San Francisco. She was up to some mischief that I can't wait to hear about. And some hidden from the headlines. That's all available over at patreon.com slash millennial. Your support helps the show rock and roll. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. Bye.